Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? I pray that you are well, always, always, always. Um, We are very well here in Tyler, Texas, and so, so grateful to be here under the wonderful Bishop Joseph Strickland. All is well. God is on his throne. Whether we are in peaceful times or persecuted times, God never leaves his throne. Um, He permits evil uh, that good may come. Um, and he works all things together for good, not for everyone, but for those who love him, Romans 8, 28, and are called according to his purpose. There's a condition for that one. Um, Yesterday, dear ones, I said today I would begin uh, to continue, actually, through um, the Catechism Explained, which is the Council of Trent, uh, explained by Reverend uh, Sparago. Um, but once, and I, and I uh, tried to urge everyone to subscribe to LifeSite News because that is my source, my number one source every single day for what is happening in the church and in the world. Every bit of it, every ounce of it pertains to life. Every bit of it, the life God gave us to know him, to love him, uh, to serve him in this world, to be happy with him in the next. It's all pro-life, all of it. Um, but once in a while, I don't know if I said this yesterday, but I will take a pause to read something especially important um, in our current circumstances. And it turns out that today, the first day, um, there's a very important article on LifeSite News that you can certainly read, but not everybody gets it and not everyone has the opportunity to read it. Um, it is clarity from Bishop Athanasius Snyder, which is what he is bringing to the church all over the world. Why is he so strong? Why is he so courageous? Why is he so clear in the faith, uncompromising, unmovable? Why? Because he was raised through suffering. We don't know suffering in the United States, hardly. What we call suffering is peanuts, nothing, absolutely nothing, to what uh, the Bishop Snyder went through growing up under communism and uh, without priests, without daily mass, traveling, um, I have to figure 100 kilometers, what is that, in miles, uh, to go to mass and not even able to do that, uh, maybe once a month. I hope I have that right. You can go to Bishop Snyder's uh, website and and get his full biography and, and his articles uh, and read Christus Vincit, um, uh, his his uh, first book, not his first book, I think his second, Communion in the Hand, was his first. Uh, he's written two since then on the Catholic Mass and the uh, springtime that never came. Most excellent bishop, auxiliary bishop of St. Mary's in Astana, Kakistan, and um, God has given him the ability um, and the mission 
uh, to go all over the world and strengthen the faith of the faithful. And the current title on LifeSite News today is that Bishop Snyder has said that the Pope has full authority but cannot weaken the integrity of the Catholic faith. Now, how how could he have full authority um, and yet not weaken the integrity of the Catholic faith, especially with all the confusion coming from the Vatican today? And so... Um, uh, I want to, uh, LifeSite News has wonderfully summed up uh, Bishop Snyder's message on that, but I would like to read his full message on the correct meaning of obedience to the Pope. Um, Dr. Peter Kwasniewski has written a little book, True Obedience, and has everything in there, the perfect understanding of obedience that priests should give to their bishops, uh, to the Pope, that bishops should give to the Pope, that lay people should give to their priests and bishops. It's an excellent little book. Um, In uh, Bishop Snyder's um, message on the correct meaning of obedience to the Pope, he says the Holy Church is first and most deeply a divine institution. The reason I want to read the full message, beloved, is that we don't just live on facts and rules. We live as people of God in the church he founded as children of God. And we need to know the context in which these truths are given. And so Bishop Snyder begins by saying the Holy Church is first and mostly a divine institution. That is so important. It's not a human institution, as I thought man-made as a Protestant when I, in my Protestant years, no, no. It's a divine institution, which is one reason, this is my own, my own comments here, why Cardinal Raymond Leo Burke said during the lockdowns, Uh, when people could not go to Mass on Sunday, Cardinal Burke said, this is not a human institution. It's a divine institution. It's a divine mandate from God that we go to church on Sunday, and no pope, no bishop, no priest has any right to forbid or change that, has any right to rob the faithful of the sacraments. No bishop or priest has that right because it does not come from men, it comes from God. Okay, now I will continue with Bishop Snyder's article. The Holy Church is first and most deeply a divine institution, and she is a mystery in its supernatural meaning. Secondly, it has also the human and visible reality, the visible members and the hierarchy of the Pope, the Bishop, and the Priest. When Mother Church is going through one of the deepest crises in her history, as she is in our time, where the crisis touches all levels of the Church's life to a frightening extent, Divine Providence is calling us, dear ones, us, to love our Mother Church, who is humiliated and mocked not in first place by her enemies, but from within by her shepherds. In my interview with Bishop Schneider uh, a week ago, um, was it as long as a week ago? Oh my goodness, it's hard to even imagine, but it was, I think so, um, or a week ago Friday, um, 
let me just see. Um, that the church, he said, is mocked not in first place by her enemies, but from within by her shepherds. And it was one thing I commented in the interview with uh, Bishop Snyder. For me personally, I am so embarrassed by the behavior of the church, not by the world against the church, not by the world's confusion, not by so-called fallen away Catholics who Protestants and others can know have lost their faith if they ever had it, but by the church, by bishops who deny the faith, by priests who deny the faith, by faithful who do not live their faith. Whatever they claim, they don't live it. They do not live it. And it's so embarrassing to me. I spent five years as an evangelical Protestant studying the Catholic Church to see if it was the true church. And I found out, of course, it is, and I'm in it. But what an utter embarrassment to see so-called Catholics not live their faith, to walk around dressed like the world, talking like the world. Uh, Their interests are worldly. It's such an embarrassment. And again, uh, from within the church and especially by her shepherds. Bishop Snyder says we are called to help our mother church, each of us in his place, to help her for a true renewal through our own fidelity to the immutable integrity of the Catholic faith. Beloved, if you want to know how to live in these days, I have not read this article, but I think it's everything we need to know. We need to help mother church Um, for a true renewal through our own fidelity to the immutable integrity of the Catholic faith, through our fidelity to the constant beauty and sacredness of her liturgy, the liturgy of all ages, through our intense spiritual life in union with Christ, and through acts of love and charity. The mystery of the Church is greater than just the Pope or the Bishop, Sometimes popes and bishops did harm to the church, but at the same time, God used other instruments, often the simple faithful, simple priests, or a few bishops to restore the holiness of faith and life within the church. We have that today, beloved. We have the simple faithful and simple priests and a few bishops who are restoring the holiness of faith and life within the church. Bishop says to be faithful to the church does not mean to obey interiorly all words and acts of a pope or a bishop, since the pope or a bishop are not identical to the entire church. And if a pope or a bishop supports a way which damages the integrity of the faith and the liturgy, then one is in no way obliged to follow him interiorly because we have to follow the faith and the norms of the church of all ages, of the apostles and the saints. You hear that? When priests and bishops deviate from the true faith, you as a sheep in the church have no obligation whatsoever to follow them. In fact, you have a duty not to follow them. There is the music for our first break, dear ones. We'll be right back after the break. I'm going to continue this article after the break, and we will take your calls, your texts, your emails after the second break. Our toll-free number to call or text is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
bumper magnets are a great way to promote the gospel as proclaimed through Catholic radio. We hear all the time from new listeners who were introduced to the station through a bumper magnet. We'd be happy to send you a bumper magnet so that others can come to know our Lord. Just go to thestationofthecross.com and find our bumper magnet request button under the About tab. That's thestationofthecross.com under the About tab. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We strive to keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and a look at the breaking news of the day that you need to know. Join us on the Catholic Drive Time Show every weekday morning at 7 a.m. across the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. That's every weekday morning at 7 a.m. I look forward to seeing you there. God love you. My name is Nathan Wigfield, Executive Director of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, with the mission of praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. Our goal is to help people experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change their life. The Catholic Church teaches us that the Liturgy of the Hours is the prayer that Christ Himself, together with His body, addresses to the Father and that its purpose is to sanctify each day in the whole range of human activity. That means every time we pray this prayer, our relationship with Christ is deepened, we are united to the faithful of every time and place, and our entire day and work are made holy unto the Lord. To learn more about the prayer of the Church, please visit liturgyofthehours.org or call our retreat center at 814 676 1910. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, we are right in the middle of an article, a message by Bishop Athanasius Snyder of uh, Astana, Kakistan, um, uh, t- teaching us the difference, not the difference, but the limits to authority and obedience. Um, he said the Pope has full authority, but... Um, but he cannot weaken the doctrine of the Church. And then Bishop discusses what full authority is. Authority has its limits. Obedience has its limits. The Bishop says the Catholic Church is the one and only Church which Christ founded, and it is the express will of God that all men should become members of his one Church, members of the mystical body of Christ. And I want to interject, because I always interject, that... um, any priest or bishop or pope who says that there's any other church that God established but the Catholic Church is, um, well, the Council of Trent would say to be anathema. There is no other church. This is not a man-made institution. It is what God established. It's a people that he built for his own name. The word for church is ecclesia, which means called out ones. Um, let me get back to where I was. Sorry, I just... Uh... Okay. Um, members, we, all of, everyone 
It is the express will of God that all men should become members of his one church, members of the mystical body of Christ. The church is not the private property of a pope. Rather, it is the he is only the vicar, the servant of Christ. Only is a high, 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 the highest position um, uh, in the church, but yet a servant, a vicar, a servant of Christ. Therefore, one cannot make becoming a full Catholic dependent on the behavior of a particular pope. One has surely to obey the pope when he proposes infallibly the truth of Christ, when he speaks ex cathedra, which is very rare. That means out of the chair of Peter. And that is a circumstance where the Pope binds the faithful to a specific doctrine. And in 2,000 years of the Church, beloved, no Pope, even if pronouncing heresy, has ever bound the faithful to a doctrine that is false. The church is that is the gift of infallibility. It does not mean the Pope as a man is infallible. Infallible. It doesn't mean he's impeccable. It doesn't mean he's not a sinner. It means that when he speaks ex cathedra or ex cathedra um, out of the chair of Peter and binds the faithful to a particular doctrine, the church. It's a negative gift. Actually, it's not that God um, uh, gives him the infallible doctrine. It's that the Holy Spirit at that point protects him from declaring evil, a rather uh, um, error, so that nothing could be bound on us through the Pope that is error. He can speak error as a man, uh, but he cannot make it binding on the faithful. Um, The Holy Spirit will protect that unless it's absolutely true. Um... We have to obey the Pope when he orders us to obey the laws and commandments of God, because they're of God. And when he makes administrative and jurisdictional decisions, such as appointments, indulgences, etc., if, however, a Pope creates confusion and ambiguity, ambiguity regarding the integrity of the Catholic faith and the sacred liturgy, then one must not obey him, and one must obey the church of all ages, and the popes who over two millennia were teaching constantly and clearly all the Catholic truths in the same sense. And these Catholic truths we find expressed in the catechism. One has to obey the catechism and the liturgy of all ages, which the saints and our forefathers followed. Along with other reflections, there is presented in the following lines a short summary of Professor Roberto Di Matteo's masterly talks, talk, quote, Obedience and Resistance in the History of the Church, given at Rome Life Forum on the 18th of May, 2018. It is a false obedience when a person divinizes men who represent authority in the church, whether a pope or bishop. When this person accepts orders and consents to affirmations of his superiors, which evidently harm and weaken the clarity and integrity of the Catholic faith. Obedience has a foundation, a purpose, conditions, and limits. Only God has no limits. He is immense, infinite, eternal. Every creature is limited. And that limit defines his essence. Therefore, 
neither unlimited authority nor unlimited obedience exists on earth. Authority is defined by its limits, and obedience is also defined by its limits. So, dear ones, let me interject here to say that the Pope has full authority. It means he has limits. He has the authority that God has given him as a guardian of the faith, not the authority to do his own thing, to make up doctrine, to change doctrine. He has no authority for that. Awareness of these limits, um, uh, Bishop uh, and Dr. Matai goes on to say, awareness of these limits leads to perfection in the exercise of authority and perfection in the exercise of obedience. should be the same with children toward parents. Children are to obey their parents in everything but sin. If a parent says to the child, um, Jesus is not God, he's only the son of God, it doesn't make him God, uh, that's false. And children need to learn their faith. And they obey their parents in everything but sin and what is false. The article continues, The insuperable limit of authority is respect for the divine law and the integrity and the clarity of the Catholic faith. And respect for this divine law of the integrity and the clarity of the Catholic faith is also the insuperable limit of obedience. St. Thomas poses the question, are subjects bound to obey their superiors in all things? That's from the Summa Theologica. His answer is negative. As he explains, the reason why a subject cannot be bound to obey its superior in all things are twofold. Firstly, because of a command from a higher authority, given that the hierarchy of authorities must be respected. Secondly, if a superior commands a subject to do unlawful things, for example, when children are not bound to obey their parents in the matter of contracting a marriage, persevering, preserving virginity, or similar matters. Let me repeat that sentence. The reasons why a subject cannot be bound to obey its superior in all things are twofold. Firstly, because of a command from a higher authority, given that the hierarchy of authorities must be respected. Secondly, if a superior commands a subject to do unlawful things, for example, this is unlawful, when children are not bound to obey their parents in the matter of contracting a marriage, that's unlawful. Children must obey their parents. Secondly, or preserving virginity, they must preserve virginity, or similar matters. St. Thomas concludes, man is subject to God absolutely and in all things, internal and external. He is therefore bound to obey God in all things. However, subjects are now bound, are not bound to obey their superiors in all things, but in certain things only. So as I walk with God, dear ones, I am bound personally to obey God in all things. But if my superior, whoever that may be, a bishop, a parent, whoever it may be, uh, commands me to do something that is against the law of God, I must not follow it. Subjects are not bound to obey their superiors in all things, but in certain things only. 
Hence, one can distinguish three types of obedience. The first being sufficient for salvation, obeys in obligatory matters only. The second being perfect, obeys in all lawful things. And the third being disordered, obeys in unlawful matters also. Um, Let me repeat that. That seems confusing. One can distinguish three types of obedience. The first being sufficient for salvation, obeys in obligatory matters only, such as not committing mortal sin, not missing Holy Mass on Sunday, so forth. That is um, um, obligatory. The second, being perfect, obeys in all lawful things. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit murder. Um, The third, being disordered, obeys in unlawful matters only. It may be that the parent says to a child, I don't want you uh, going with your friends to see that movie. Well, that's not a commandment of God. The commandment of God is to obey your parents in all but sin. If the parent has that judgment, you are obeying in an unlawful command to not go to the movie, but you are obeying a higher command to um, obey your, your father and your mother. Obedience is not blind or unconditional, but has limits. Where there is sin mortal or otherwise, we have not merely a right, but a duty to disobey. This also applies in circumstances where one is commanded to do something harmful to the integrity of the Catholic faith or the sacredness of the liturgy. History has demonstrated that a bishop, an Episcopal conference, a council, and even a pope pronounced errors in their non-infallible magisterium. That's a record of history. What in such circumstances should the faithful do? In his various works, St. Thomas Aquinas teaches that where the faith is at risk, it is lawful, even proper, to resist a papal decision publicly, as did St. Paul to St. Peter, the first pope. Indeed, St. Paul, who was subject to St. Peter, publicly rebuked him because of an imminent risk of scandal in a matter of faith. (coughs) Excuse me. And St. Augustine commented, even St. Peter set an example so that those who governed, but on occasion strayed from the right path, should not refuse as improper a correction even if originating from their subjects, Galatians 2.14, and St. Thomas's Summa Theologica. I tell you what, we are headed for our break, beloved. When we come back for the break, um, I would like to take your calls and your texts and your emails. This article is so important um, that... I am going to continue the article when we come back. Um, but if you wish to call in on, on the, to this moment, the subject of what we're reading, go ahead and do that, and I will take your call. Toll-free 1-877-511-5483. And we'll be right back. 
This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for October 25th. Today we celebrate Blessed Antonio de Santa Ana Galvan. Born near São Paulo, Brazil in 1739, Antonio briefly entered a Jesuit seminary before deciding on the Franciscans. Following his ordination, he served as a preacher and confessor. Within a few years, he was appointed confessor to a group of area nuns. He went on to co-found a new community of women religious under the patronage of Our Lady of the Conception of Divine Providence. The premature death of the first superior caused Padre Antonio to take on more responsibilities for the new congregation, especially for building a convent and church adequate for their growing numbers. At his beatification ceremony in 1998, Pope John Paul II praised Blessed Antonio for working on behalf of women religious and for dedicating himself with love and devotion to the afflicted, the suffering, and the slaves of his era in Brazil. His authentically Franciscan faith, lived and spent in serving his neighbor, should be an encouragement to imitate this man of peace and charity, the Pope concluded. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. There was no single event. It was more gradual. You know, eventually you just don't go one Sunday and then you don't go two Sundays in a row. Then went through a divorce and um, ended up being a single parent. If I didn't have church or God, I, I, I would be back at that lonely stage, that trouble stage. Whenever you get anxious and worry about things, you just know that Jesus has it under control. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, we are live, and this second uh, half hour would normally be our uh, half hour all to ourselves for calls and questions and texts and emails. But um, I mentioned just before the break this article that I'm reading on um, that's been titled The Pope by Bishop Athanasius Snyder. His interview, The Pope Has Full Authority, But Cannot Weaken the Integrity of the Catholic Faith. How do those two issues come together? And the article reading is, um, is just truly, truly outstanding. So I would like to continue it. And I mentioned before the break that the... Uh, I'll take your calls. This is a bit of an exception today. I'll take your calls um, if you call in with questions about what we're reading. Usually it wouldn't pertain to our topic, but today it it will because I want to get through this very, very important article. Um, And so if you wish to call in with any question of to explain the article or to uh, ask how you should deal in a certain situation of authority or obedience you're facing, feel free to call in toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. No, no, no. You can email, of course, but if you wish to call in on this topic today, I'll take your calls. Um, Okay, let me continue reading now. 
um, um, and the and the Bishop Athanasius is also using a wonderful article from Dr. Robert Matei, um, who says St. Paul's resistance was manifested. St. Paul, who corrected our first Pope, St. Peter, publicly. St. Paul's resistance was manifested as a public correction of St. Peter, the first pope. St. Thomas Aquinas devotes an entire question to fraternal correction in the Summa. Fraternal correction can also be directed by subjects to their superiors and by the laity against prelates. I'm very happy to um, hear this affirmed because I have been... um, Um, seemingly corrected or come against by a number of laity who say, Mother Miriam, you have no right to correct a prelate, a priest or a bishop or anyone. You have no right. And um, it's not so. Uh, Subjects can correct their superiors uh, on any level uh, if it's a matter of error. Since, however, a virtuous act needs to be moderated by due circumstances, it follows that when a subject corrects his superior, he ought to do so in a becoming manner, not with impudence and harshness, but with gentleness and respect. There's one particular very popular, very loved priest who needs this message, and I'm not going to give you his name. Many of you will know his name by my making this statement. But I beg that priest and any other priest like him uh, and any cancel priest to listen to this uh, word, these words from St. Thomas Aquinas, which Bishop uh, Dr. Robert Matei um, uh, agrees with and Bishop Athanasius Snyder uh, pleads with you to do. I will repeat this. Since, however, a virtuous act needs to be moderated by due circumstances, it follows that when a subject corrects his superior, a priest correcting a bishop is a subject um, correcting his superior. He ought to do so in a becoming manner, not with impudence and harshness, but with gentleness and respect. I beg those priests who use such disrespect, such lack of um, gentleness, uh, to change their ways because you are embarrassing the Catholic Church by doing so. You are embarrassing me. It is not the character of a priest to speak in such ways. It is no example to the faithful. You are not teaching the faithful how to resist and to live in these times or how to be truly Catholic. <clears throat> if there is, I, that was my comment, and I go back to the article. If there is a danger to the faith, subjects are bound to rebuke their prelates. You hear that? If there is a danger to the faith, subjects are bound to rebuke their prelates, including the Pope, even publicly. Quote, Therefore, due to the risk of scandal in the faith, Paul, who was in fact subject to Peter, rebuked him publicly, end quote. But to re- again, my comment, to rebuke publicly is to do so yet in a becoming manner, not with um, impute- uh, impudence, harshness, but with gentleness and respect. I tell you what, dear priests, um, when you uh, rebuke your bishops, 
and the Pope especially, so harshly, so disrespectfully? Do you think the faithful are going to learn from you what it means to be Catholic? Do you think they're going to learn virtue from you? Do you think they're going to learn how to resist and to fight this evil by becoming evil themselves through your example? What people hear is your, your uh, uncontrolled personality. They don't hear virtue. They don't hear truth. I will continue with the article. The person in the office of the Pope has its meaning in being only the vicar of Christ. I will repeat that. The person and the office of the Pope has its meaning in being only the vicar of Christ, an instrument and not an end. And as such, this meaning must be used if we do not want to turn the relationship between the means and the end upside down. It is important to underline this. At a time where, especially among the most devoted Catholics, there is a lot of confusion in this regard, and also obedience to the Pope or to the bishop is an instrument, not an end. We are not um, subjects of a dictator, I say. Uh, I'm repeating Bishop Snyder's words in, in our interview a week ago. The Pope is not a dictator. We are not subjects of a dictator, but subjects of the vicar of Christ, who in his position is a guardian of the faith, not an inventor, not a changer, a guardian of the true faith and of the Holy Mass. The article continues, the Roman pontiff has full and immediate authority over all the faithful, and there is no authority on earth superior to him on earth superior to him, but he cannot, either by erroneous or by ambiguous statements, change and weaken the integrity of the Catholic faith, the divine constitution of the church, or the constant tradition of the sacredness and the sacrificial character of the liturgy of the Holy Mass. If this happens, there is the legitimate possibility and duty of the bishops and even of the lay faithful not only to present private and public appeals and proposals of doctrinal corrections, but also to act in disobedience of a papal order which changes or weakens the integrity of the faith, the divine constitution of the church, and the liturgy. This is a very rare but possible circumstance which does not violate but confirms the rule of devotion and obedience to the Pope who is called to confirm the faith of his brothers. Such prayers, appeals, let me repeat that, such prayers, appeals, proposals of doctrinal corrections and so-called disobedience are, on the contrary, an expression of love for the, supreme uh, for the supreme pontiff in order to help him to convert from his dangerous behavior of neglecting his primary duty to confirm the entire church unambiguously and vigorously in the faith. Okay, I'm, I keep looking back to see if there are any calls, and there are none, and I will continue um, with the article. 
One must recall also what the First Vatican Council taught, quote, the Holy Spirit was promised to the successors of Peter, not so that they might, by his revelation, make known some new doctrine, but that by his assistance they might religiously guard and faithfully expound the revelation or deposit of faith transmitted by the apostles. And that's straight from the dogmatic constitution, um, Pastor Eternus of the First Vatican Council. Chapter 4. For the last few centuries, a legal positivism prevails in the life of the church, combined with a kind of papalatry. Um, this is a word that Protestants use, papalatry, to say that Catholics worship the Pope. We do not. That would be papalatry. Such an attitude aims at reducing the exterior orders of the superior and the law to a mere instrument in the hands of those who hold power, forgetting the metaphysical and moral foundation of the law itself. From this legalist standpoint, which now permeates the church, that which the authority promulgates is always just. Traditional spiritual treatises teach us how to obey the church and the pope or the bishop. However, those refer to the times of normality when the pope and the bishops valiantly and unambiguously defended and protected the integrity of the faith and the liturgy. We are living now, obviously, in the exceptional time of a global crisis of the faith at all levels of the church. A Catholic faithful has to recognize the supreme authority of the Pope and his universal governance. However, we know that in the exercise of his authority, the Pope may commit abuses of authority to the evident detriment of the Catholic faith and the sacredness of the liturgy of the Holy Mass, as has unfortunately occurred in history. We wish to obey the Pope, all popes, including the current pope. But if the teaching of any pope, but if in the teaching of any pope we find an evident contradiction, our rule of judgment follows the bimillennial, the bimillenary tradition of the church, that is, the constant teaching of the popes throughout millennia and centuries. According to Father Enrico Zaffoli, the worst evils of the church do not originate from the malice of the world, interference, or persecution of the laity by their religions, but above all, from the human elements which make up the mystical body, the laity and the clergy. Quote, it is the disharmony produced by insubordination of the laity to the work of the clergy and the of the clergy to the will of Christ. I'm going to need to read that again. According to Father Enrico Zafoli, the worst evils of the church do not originate from the malice of the world. They can, beloved. We are to be in the world and not of it. The worst tragedies, I'm just summing this up, are from within the church. They do not originate from the malice of the world, from interference or persecution of the laity by other religions. No but above all, from the human elements which make up the mystical body. So if I have Protestants or Jehovah's Witness or Mormons or atheists or anyone come against me 
That is not a, a terrible evil. That won't derail me. That won't harm me. But within the church, when priests and bishops teach error, falsehood, are unfaithful, that is what has every potential to destroy the faith, for the faithful and the sheep who so depend upon their shepherds and are so learning that they've got to be strong themselves because the shepherds, for in great measure, have abandoned them. It is the disharmony produced by insubordination of the laity to the work of the clergy and the clergy to the will of Christ. If we don't obey the clergy in what is right and true and the clergy do not obey the will of Christ, that is the greatest harm to the church, beloved. There's the music for our final break. We're going to continue and hopefully conclude this article when we come back from the break. If you have a question concerning what we're reading now, uh, call in and I will take your call. We'll be right back. beloved this is mother miriam host of mother miriam live like the catholic current and the many other programs that originate from the station of the cross divine mercy in my soul is all about the messages that jesus revealed to saint faustina it is aired every sunday morning at 11 eastern and tuesday nights at 8 p.m or you can listen anytime to divine mercy in my soul on the iCatholic radio mobile app The Station of the Cross is listener-funded, and we value your ongoing generosity. In this fast-paced world, it's easy to let your recurring donation slip due to something like a new address or a card number change. If you suspect that we might not have your up-to-date donor information, you can check with us during regular business hours at 1-877-888-6279, extension 104, or anytime online at thestationofthecross.com. Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. It just really connected me to my faith. I always considered myself 100% Catholic, but didn't really realize that I wasn't fully practicing my faith, so I learned so much through the Station of the Cross and began just getting deeper in my prayers and feeling just so much closer to God and so well-versed in learning more about the Bible and more about what actually it means to be Catholic. So it became very, very important to me, and I listen to the radio station daily, and I absolutely love it. I make it a regular practice of donating every time they have their their fundraising and just love it and wouldn't want it to ever go away. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. 
Um, we are live, and I am thrilled to be live with you, and I've invited you, if you wish to call in, uh, not today with anything on your heart, but only if it's a question concerning this article we're reading, uh, posted today on LifeSite News, um, uh, the result of an interview by Bishop, uh, with Bishop Athanasius Snyder, and an article by Dr. Robert DeMittay, outstanding historian, um, and the, the title is full of, The Pope Has Full Authority But Cannot Weaken the Integrity of the Catholic Faith. And, and this article explaining that. Um, and so we left off, and again, so if you wish to call in with a question on this article or how you apply it in a particular situation, uh, feel free to call in 1-800, no, I'm sorry, 1, yes, that's 888-888. Let me look. How could I forget the number? I say it every single day umpteen times. one 888 511 No, here we go. Okay, erase what I just said. one 877 511 And I will take your calls today if it's about this particular article. We continue now. Um, the last paragraph we read... Um, said that the worst evils of the church don't originate from the malice of the world, but they originate from within the church. And um, uh, it is the disharmony produced by insubordination of the laity to the work of the clergy. If you're not faithful, if you're not obedient to your priest who speaks truth, and of the clergy to the will of Christ, again, to the truth, then you are in disobedience. To the authority, let me just see where this quote is coming from. Uh, it might be coming from, um, uh, oh, I, I, I'm not, I can't speak, it's a 1996 article in Milan, uh, Potieri uh, e Obedienza Nella Chiesa. Uh, forgive my uh, Italian here, um, and quote, to the authority of a pope or a bishop, which exceeds the limits of the divine law, of the integrity and the clarity of the Catholic faith, one must mount firm resistance. I will repeat that. To the authority of a pope or a bishop, which exceeds the limits of the divine law, of the integrity and the clarity of the Catholic faith, one must mount firm resistance, which may become public. And I think Michael Matt of Redmond TV would agree with that fully and has. This is the heroism of our time. Still quoting. This is the heroism of our time. The gravest path to sanctity today. To become saints means doing the will of God. Doing the will of God means obeying his laws always. In particular, when this is difficult or when this places us in conflict with men who through as legitimate representatives of his authority on earth, the Pope or the Bishop, are unfortunately spreading errors or weakening the integrity and the clarity of the Catholic faith. End quote. Continuing with the article, such moments are very rare in the history of the church, yet they have happened as it evident, as is evident in the sight of all in our time also. Many in the course of history, 
<clears throat> have manifested heroic behavior, resisting the unjust laws of the political authority. Greater still is the heroism of those who have resisted the imposition by the ecclesiastical authority of doctrines which diverge from the constant tradition of the faith and the liturgy of the church. Filial, devout, respectful resistance does not lead to departure from the church, but multiplies love for the church, for God, for his truth, because God is the foundation of every authority and every act of obedience. Because of the love for the papal ministry, the honor of the apostolic see, and the person of the Roman pontiff, some saints, such as St. Bridget of Sweden and St. Catherine of Siena, did not shy from admonishing the popes, sometimes even in somewhat strong terms, as we can see St. Bridget reporting the following words of our Lord, addressed to Pope Gregory XI, quote, Start to reform the church that I purchased, our Lord speaking through St. Bridget, start to reform the church that I purchased with my own blood in order that it may be reformed and led back spiritually to its pristine state of holiness. If you do not obey this, my will, then you can be quite sure that you are going to be condemned by me before all my heavenly court with the same kind of sentence and spiritual justice with which one condemns and punishes a worldly prelate who is to be stripped of his rank. He is publicly divested of his sacred pontifical garb, defeated and accursed. This is what I will do to you. I shall send you away from the glory of heaven, However, Gregory, my son, I admonish you again to convert to me with humility. Heed my counsel, end quote. Oh, dear Pope Francis, I pray that you read this and assume that our Lord's judgment will be no different of you. The article continues, St. Catherine of Siena, a doctor of the church, addressed the following blunt admonition by, to Pope Gregory XI, that Pope got it from a couple of sides, demanding that he vigorously reform the church, or if he should fail to do it, renounce the papacy. Quote, Most holy and sweet Father, your poor, unworthy daughter Catherine in Christ, sweet Jesus, commends herself to you in his precious blood. Divine truth demands that you execute judgment on the abundance of many iniquities committed by those who are fed and pastured in the garden of Holy Church. Since he has given you authority and you have assumed it, you should use your virtue and power. And if you are not willing to use it, it would be better for you to resign what you have assumed. More honor to God and health to your soul would it be End quote. Father James Altman, any canceled priest who rebukes Pro Francis takes St. Bridget and St. Catherine's form and words of respect in rebuking the Pope in truth to heart. The article continues, when those in authority in the church, Pope or Bishop, as is it is the case in our time, 
fail to fulfill faithfully their duty to keep and defend the integrity and the clarity of the Catholic faith and the liturgy. God calls the subordinates, often the little and simple ones in the church, to compensate for the defects of the superiors by means of appeals, proposals or correction, and most powerfully, by means of vicarious sacrifices and prayers. During the deep crisis of the church in the 15th century, where the high clergy often gave a bad example and failed grievously in their pastoral duties, Nicholas Cardinal of Cusa, or Susa, uh, C-U-S-A in the 1400s, was deeply moved by a dream in which he was shown that spiritual reality of the par- power of self-offering, of prayer, and the vicarious sacrifice, he saw in a dream the following scene. More than a thousand nuns were praying in the little church. They were not kneeling but standing. They stood with open arms, palm facing, uh, palms facing upwards, in a gesture of offering. In the hands of a thin, young, almost childlike nun, Nicholas saw the Pope. You could see how heavy this load was for her but her face was radiating a joyful gleam, this attitude we should emulate. We'll be back with you tomorrow, beloved. God bless you.